I joke saying that I'm a Renaissance woman <laughs> just because I always had a variety of interests and passions since I was a little girl, especially within the arts. That's Brazilian actress, dancer, and musician Daniela Gali, who will be performing as Nanarol Mozart in a play by Sylvia Milo this April at Scottsdale Performing Arts Center. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Heart of the Arts. I'm Melissa Green. Hi, Daniela. Thanks for joining me today. First of all, it's a pleasure to be here with you. So you're playing the role of Nanarol Mozart in The Other Mozart. There's a lot to talk about and unpack here, so I'm hoping we could start off with you sharing your educational background and professional trajectory. Since I was little, I was very interested in every kind of artistic expression. I loved drawing, dancing, music, creating things. So I studied music as a child and as a young girl and dance. And later on, I went into architecture school. I'm a graduate of architecture and urban planning, but never stopped dancing. So after I graduated, I started working as a set designer. I moved to New York and worked first as an associate to Tony Walton, who passed away a few months ago, a couple, not, not even like a month and a half ago, to whom I have immense gratitude. Um, so I worked with him for a couple of years on Broadway, off-Broadway, also designed my own projects. And that was a way for me to try and mix the performance side of Daniela and the creator uh, into one single world. But instead, what, <laughs> what happened was that it put me directly in contact with theater and allowed me to, to see many amazing actors and directors working. So while I was in the studio creating, designing, everything was wonderful. As soon as I entered rehearsals, ah, I started feeling that tickling thing of the performer because I had been a dancer up until then and for a couple of years I didn't perform and I started feeling that urge again. And, and I wanted to try... Um, theater. So I was in New York working as a set designer and I, sta I started studying acting. You played oboe, you've been a dancer, and then you wanted to act? I just wanted to feel, to see how it felt to be on stage as an actor. It had any connection with what I felt as a dancer or even as a musician. Then at that moment, there was uh, one of my teachers, Sam Groom, early on in the process, I presented a monologue in class. It was a scene study class. And he came to me and he said, look, I know that you're already following, pursuing a career in design, but this is what you should be doing. And somehow it's one of those moments where you, where you have, or some people act almost as angels in our lives. I had to hear that. And somehow that one phrase, it was something that I knew already within myself. And so I stopped reading literature, started reading plays and studying while working as a set designer. And I started auditioning. So I began acting in New York in short play, in, in short films and plays. And later I started working in Brazil professionally uh, in theater, film and television. And that's why you're a Renaissance woman. Looking from outside might think that, oh, she jumped from one activity to the other. It's not at all how I feel. It was always as if one activity was pregnant of the following one. And as an actor, I'm able to somehow connect all my experiences into internal material 
to, to work with. You're starring in an award-winning play telling the true forgotten story of Nanaro Mozart, the sister of Wolfgang Amadeus. Written by Sylvia Milo, what attracted you to this role? Um, even as a former orchestra oboe player, I had never heard of Nanaro's existence until a friend of mine, an actress and, and Brazilian director, Clarícia Bujanja, told me about the play, The Other Mozart. And I was immediately attracted to her story and contacted Sylvia Milo in order to get to know more about the play and try to produce it and, and perform it in Portuguese in Brazil. Then Sylvia and the director, Isaac Byrne, they asked me to audition for it. So they sent me a few scenes and I taped the scenes for them. And after a couple of weeks, they contacted me saying that they liked the audition so much. They would love to invite me as a guest performer to um, to share a run of the play in New York with Sylvia. But what attracted me to the play, first, this its subject, Nanol's story, uh, to bring light into one among so many obscure talents throughout history. I feel like it must have taken a lot of research on everyone's part. When I watched the play, the way it is constructed, Sylvia wrote the play based on extensive research and focusing on the letters that the Mozart, uh, the members of Mozart family exchanged between each other. And the way it is staged, the set design, the concept, which is also the costume design, also was one of the greatest points that attract me to the play because of its metaphor. Uh, basically, it's a dress of 18, it's, a, it's an 18 foot dress that is spread throughout the uh, stage. And it works both as a costume, as a set, and it's Nano's territory. So at first, as a child, I walk on top of it, I, I act on top of the dress, and it feels to the audience that this universe is limitless, right? By the round shape and by the way I can walk around the, the dress. But as the play pro progresses and she grows up, Nanos grows up, the dress ends up becoming also a symbol for her, her restrictions, the restrictions that she suffered throughout life. So when I wear, when I finally wear the dress, it's a reference to the feminine in that time, not only to the opulent beauty of it, but it's a very heavy dress. It allows me very little movement. So it really represents that constraint. And her petticoat corset <laughs> or that thing that holds out the dress is worn on the outside? Exactly. Yeah. That was a concept by uh, Miyu, one of the costume designers. He designed the panniers, which would go underneath the dress, but in the play, they're outside of it. So they almost look like a cage. In fact, when Nano gets married and I enter the dress and the cage and the panniers, it looks like I'm imprisoned. I'm, I'm encaged. Also, another thing that it's very, very astonishing in the play, and it contributes to this atmosphere, this atmosphere that transports the audience right into that period and into Nanaro's universe, is the original music. Um, we do have excerpts from pieces of Mozart and Mariana Martinez, who was a female composer that who inspired Nano. Um, there's also original music and soundtrack by Nathan Davis and Phyllis Chen. 
And they were so ingenious because they composed everything using instruments that were intimate to nanos, but also sounds of ordinary objects that might have fed her musical imagination. So there are toy pianos, music boxes, um, teacups, church bells, uh, all kinds of um, ordinary sounds that probably were part of her surroundings. So uh, it creates, yeah, it, it makes up for a very, very special and poetic way to access that period and what we believe was Manuel's universe. Like you mentioned, the other Mozart is based on facts, stories, and lines pulled directly from the Mozart family's humorous and heartbreaking letters. Is there a specific quote or conversation that really stuck out to you to help you develop this character? And she she was uh, she had a, an amazing career. She was widely acclaimed up until the age of 18 when she was no longer able to perform because it just wasn't proper. She would ruin uh, any potential for a good marriage. And at that time, women who were not born noble or, or, or rich with a lot of money, they would rely uh, in a marriage in order to survive adult life. Otherwise, they would have to be, um, they, they would be forced into domestic service. They would become housekeepers to somebody else. Unfortunately, so we do have, there are some reviews of her performances at that time. There is also a letter from Wolfgang, um, Wolfgang, in English, Wolfgang, in, in, in German, um, praising one of her compositions and encouraging to compose more. Unfortunately, we don't have any record of her music. And did you have to find things about her that you really connected with? Or what does that process look like for you, getting into character? Nano, they say she, she, she suffered a lot when she had to, she was left at home and could no longer travel to perform. Um, in the letters, they say she spent months in bed, uh, sick, really sick. And although you can see that there was never, um, at least in what I researched, there was never um, an explicit expression of jealousy or, or resentment towards the brother's triumph. You know, she really rooted for him. Um, there is resentment from her uh, for her situation, but not towards the brother in terms of his his triumphing, and it was so big, and that was striking to me to find what would have been for her for such a prodigy not to be able to pursue what she felt her soul asked of her. You know, I think that that's the main part of it. That was the main part of it for me. How, 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 how would that be? How would that feel? Yeah, that's a really moving part of the story. Um, the play is set in a stunning 18-foot dress, and there's newly composed music, but she's also got this great wild hairdo. There are different senses used throughout the play and the character, and that's a big part of the story, right? Um, yes, these are all the elements that you described and the ones that I mentioned before. They are all elements that work collectively in order to create that atmosphere and to transport the audience into Nano's universe. Theater is so powerful 
in my point of view, because as an audience member, when if you're able to feel or to connect to a character's feeling or thoughts, even if very different from your own, that becomes an exercise on empathy. It generates compassion and understanding. And that's to me so powerful because it's seed for change. Now in the play, um, all these elements work collectively to create that. Uh, the hair, as you mentioned, is actually the reason the play was created almost because Sylvia tells, Sylvia Milo, the creator of the show, um, came across Nano for the first time by seeing a portrait, a painted portrait of the Mozart family in, in a museum in Austria. She saw this woman and she was attracted to her because of her hairdo <laughs> that was so exquisite. And she said, well, who is this woman with this amazing hair playing the keyboards with her hands intertwined uh, with Wolfgang? Oh, that's Wolfgang's sister. And that's where everything started. And your professional dancer, is there interpretive dance in this play or is it more traditional? Um, in terms of movement, we worked with Janice Orlandi to, to understand what, were, what was the movement language of the period. And it's very balletic. Um, all the movement, the, the social codes for movement at the time, it was very balletic. So that's also part of Nano's expression. And there are moments where I only allow my body to express the emotion, but there are moments when I'm telling the story where I act and, and I move as uh, women in that time were expected to. You've done acting for film in addition to the stage. Uh, you worked with Oscar-nominated director Hector Babenco and have done projects with Amazon and Sony Pictures. Do you have a preference when it comes to live performance or film? I'm doing it all and I love it for, for different reasons. Hard to tell, hard, to, hard for me to choose one. They're very different experiences, uh, the three of them very fulfilling. TV work, um, film work, and stage work. The theater has something that is to me amazing, which is the fact that for a certain amount of time, performers, technicians, and audience members are there together for something that will never repeat itself. So when I'm performing, I'm sharing that with people that maybe I would have never met on the street <laughs> uh, on a daily life. And nonetheless, we are there sharing a very intimate moment. And that to me is magical. You know, it doesn't repeat itself. We share a very special moment and we're somehow safe within that space. That's magical. I love that. You describe her story so well. Um, is this your first time performing in Arizona? And if so, what are you looking forward to most? Yes, it is my first time performing in Arizona. And I'm so happy about that. I was in Arizona about almost 20 years ago, maybe, uh, visiting. And I loved, loved the state, the desert, the colors, the most beautiful sunsets. I've ever seen. I, I really felt a huge connection to Arizona. And I remember I was with my boyfriend, who's my husband. And he said, we have to come back here. And if we ever have kids, we have to bring them here. This is somehow a special place. That's how I felt. So I'm really looking forward to be there um, and, and sharing this story with people from Arizona. And my son will be there with me. So that makes it even more 
special. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with KBOG today. I think our audience is in for a real treat. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm so glad that you'll be back to experience the desert again. Thank you for having me, Melissa. It was a pleasure. That's Brazilian actress Daniela Gali. She'll be starring in The Other Mozart, April 6th through the 10th at Scottsdale Performing Arts Center. You can find tickets and more information at scottsdaleperformingarts.org. For KBOX Heart of the Arts, I'm Melissa Green.